There's a lot more to great public speaking than you might first guess. In this episode, we're going to get some insider tips and strategies by talking to Peter George, who is an expert at constructing and delivering a message that matters. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. I'm your host, Judy Rodman. Join me for game-changing vocal lessons and advice from creatives and voice industry insiders who share the secrets they've found for personal and career success. Join us. When you grow up with a speech impediment, a speaking career would not seem to be in your future. But my guest today not only grew up with a lisp and a stutter that sabotaged his self-confidence and communication skills, he has also become a world-renowned public speaker. He's spoken to more than 2 million people in seven countries and each of the 48 contiguous states. For the past 18 years, he's been a professional speaking coach with his own highly successful method he calls AMPD, A-M-P-D. And now he's literally written a book on it. How'd that happen? Let's learn some of his secrets and let me introduce you to Peter George. Welcome to All Things Vocal, Peter. Hey, Judy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Where are you? You're up in the northern part of our our land, right? Yeah, I'm up in New England, in Rhode Island. Yeah. We may have, in Nashville, just had a little bit more snow than you've had, though. <laughs> yes. Pretty crazy. We thought it was cold the other day, and we looked at, my wife and I looked at the temperatures down there, and it was colder there. Yeah. It's like upside down. Well, your story, your story reminded me of King George the the Sixth of England, who had a very persistent stutter. Did you watch the Colin Firth movie? I saw it for the first time less than a year ago. You did. I couldn't bring myself to watch it for <laughs> uh, for the longest time. It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was excellent. Well, when we met first, you invited me to be a guest on your amazing podcast, Public Speaking by Peter George. It's ranked in the top 3% of worldwide podcasts by Listen Notes. But am I correct in that you stopped doing new episodes, and why did you stop? I stopped in the middle of 2023 because I had emergency open-heart surgery. Oh. (laughs) My aortic valve decided it wasn't going to work anymore. If I wanted to stay alive, they had to put in uh, a prosthetic Wow. which they did very successfully, which was fantastic. Great people up in Boston hospitals. Yeah. Uh, So something had to give while I was recuperating. And I recuperated faster than they had expected, which is great at 65 years old. Yeah. And that was all wonderful. But again, something had to give. And I love working with my clients. So I didn't want to give up working with my clients or speaking at events. So... Well, you know, the cool thing about podcasts, just like this one, is that they still live on the internet, right? They live forever. (laughs) Good, bad, or indifferent, they live forever. (laughs) Well, I invite everybody to go look up the uh, Public Speaking with Peter George podcast, because you are going to find some real gems in uh, in those episodes. Now, your book is called The Captivating Public Speaker. Yes. And I have to tell you, Peter, it's bar none, I believe, the best book on public speaking that's out there. I mean, bar none. The detail that you go into and the creative and scientific approach to speaking and the strategies and steps for creating speeches, you just covered everything. So 
Let's dive into the book a little bit, okay? Sure. There's a quote that you give right in the preface by Marcus Tullius Cicero that goes, let me read it. If you wish to persuade me, you must think my thoughts, feel my feelings, and speak my words. All right. Can you elaborate on that quote? Yes. So many of us, Judy, want to say what we want to say. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, I've been hired at this conference or by this college or whatever. I'm going to go speak there. And this is what I'm going to talk about. Well, of course you were hired because of your expertise, but when it comes to the finer point and when it comes to engaging and captivating your audience, you have to talk about what they want to know and what they need to know. It's not up to us as speakers. And so many of us believe that it is. Yeah. It's up to them. Yep. So that's what I mean by that, that you have to speak their words, know their thoughts, know what they want to walk away with. Without knowing that, it's a hit or miss proposition. Mm-hmm. It's like begin with the end in mind. Who are you talking Always. to and what do you want to tell them? And what would the response be if you were successful? Get it. <laughs> yeah, it's the same way for singing as it is for speaking. Okay, you talk about, this is fascinating to me, you talk about a blend of the conscious and subconscious for communication. Tell me a little bit more about that. Actually, a blend of the conscious and unconscious. Oh, not subconscious, but unconscious. Okay. And we always think as speakers or someone doing a presentation of what we're saying, what they're hearing, and that's what we concentrate on. Think about it. I, I've got to do a presentation a month from now, and I start writing it out. It's all about what's going to be said. And that makes sense. But we communicate on the unconscious level, too. So we communicate without knowing it's happening. And that's often done by our, our voice, the intonation, pitch, speed, the like, as well as our body language. What is our body, body language saying to people? Mm-hmm. We don't give that much thought. Yet much of the communication is done on that level. So I approach it from both sides because one without the other, it's kind of like having two wheels on a car. Yeah. Or, a, you know, a robot trying to elicit some emotion. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Words you can get out of a book, but we're talking here when you're presenting, it's a visceral occasion and well, you want people to connect on that level. Right. And also, Body language and facial language actually changes the tone of your voice. Oh, yes. So it's weird how the, the the confident body stance sounds differently as far as resonance goes than the self-conscious body language where you're not sure you're supposed to be telling them that or you're not sure you remember what that was that you were going to say and all that, you know, and things get tight and things get collapsed and shrunk. Or you try too hard and you go forward and it changes the tone of your voice. Just like, that's how come I can tell if somebody's eyebrows are raised when I'm on the phone with them. And right. We actually communicate with our eye- eyebrows. People don't realize that as well right. as our hands. So body language definitely affects the sound of the voice, which actually affects the message that's being delivered with the words, right? It does. And think about what they're saying as well. Not only does it affect what we're doing, but if we're talking about something that's, I guess, pretty serious, if not grave, mm-hmm. and we're smiling, yeah, it's kind of confusing. And the opposite is true as well. If there's something we're saying that should be happy, 
but we have a frown on our face. You know, it, Judy, it's as simple as, and I'm sure this has happened to you on both sides. I know it has to me. Where you're very excited about giving a gift and you give the gift and I've done this and I'm like, I think my wife's going to be ecstatic. And she's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> like, no, you don't. And that old saying of, I can hear it in your voice and it's written all over your face. No, you don't. So I beg to differ. sometimes it's not the words, but everything that accompanies the words. Yeah. Okay, so how is great public speaking both an art and a science? We're probably kind of referring to some of the same things, but is there anything else you can tell me about that? Because you talk about the science of it and the art of it. It's an art that's laid over a framework of science, and, and that actually makes it so anybody can do it. The science part is when you think what happens to our bodies and our minds, whether we're speaking or listening, it's pretty much universal. So when we take in what happens, and let's say when, when you're speaking and people say, oh, when I have to speak, I get sweaty and I get warm and my blood pressure goes up and my face turns red and I forget what I'm going to say. That happens to us all at one time or another because mm -hmm. it's science. It's mm -hmm. what happens to the human body. The art side is just like acting or singing. It's a performance. Mm -hmm. So how are we combining that performance with what happens on the scientific side. And when we can build those two together, then that's when it's really awesome where people sit there and say, wow, she's speaking directly to me. How did she know I needed to know that? How did she know that's going to help me? Well, let's just go right into your AMPT framework. Tell me about that. AMPT stands for Audience, Message, Presentation, and Delivery. And we start with the audience. And like you said earlier, start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And you think about it, we start most projects with the end in mind. If you're going to go online to get tickets to go on vacation, you and your husband, you have to know where you're going. Right. Yeah. You just can't buy tickets to anywhere. If you're going to make a wonderful dinner tonight and you have to go to the store to buy the ingredients, you have to know what you're making before you can buy the ingredients. It's the same thing here. When we start with our audience. What do they want to know? What do they need to know? What's the objective? What's their takeaway? We often forget that. The takeaway is what's the reason for all of this? Mm -hmm. What do you want them to do with that takeaway? That's all the end in mind. Then once you have that information, which is people go, wow, well, how am I going to get all that information? It's easy. You ask them. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. You just ask them ahead of time. And once you have that, now you can develop your message. And your message isn't the presentation. Your message is, what's my main point and my subpoints. Once I have that, now I can develop the presentation. How you're going to open this? How you're going to elaborate on those three points and their subpoints? How you're going to conclude it, which is the most important part of your presentation? Yet it's probably the part that people give the least amount of attention to. You know, this sounds like the same kind of framework that could apply to a legal case being presented in court and songwriting. Sure. <laughs> Message delivery. And, you know, I don't know that much about songwriting, but I do know you have the bridge in the middle. I do know you have to figure out if how you're going to end this thing, mm -hmm. whether it's going to be on a strong note or just fade away. Much of it's the same way because it's communication between two people. 
Right. And there, there's a serious takeaway you want from a song. You know, so I mean, really, all these principles apply to you songwriters out there that are watching this and listening to this. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. How would you ask an audience that you're about to present something to if you don't know them? Whoever your contact is, wherever Mm -hmm. you're speaking, whether Uh it's corporate, in-house, wherever it might be, ask them for the names and contact information of some of the people. And what I ask for are the champions. Who are the people who go, cool, it's great to have this person coming in and speaking. Yeah. And then I also want the naysayers, the people saying, oh, God, another consultant coming in. I want to talk to both of them because I want to understand why one is so happy and what they expect to get out of it mm-hmm. and how it's going to benefit them, how they perceive it anyway. And then I want the naysayer and like, why are you so down on this? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want to know about the naysayers. Well, you have to, because you have to address what they're thinking as well. It can't color your whole presentation, but it does have to be taken into account. Yeah. So I like to speak to both. They'll give you all the information you need. So no longer is it, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? I hope this resonates with them. I have no idea if they're even going to like this. You already know before you start creating your message. Mm-hmm. And then again, developing the presentation And then the D in amped is the delivery back to voice and body language. What are some attention grabbing ways that we could start speeches or presentations? There's a a number of ways and there's no right way. Mm -hmm. My favorite is with a question. When you ask people questions, whether they're actual questions that you want them to answer out loud Mm -hmm. or they're rhetorical questions that you want them to answer in their heads, When you ask people a question, they are compelled to answer it. Get them engaged from the first moment. If you don't, then everything's up an uphill battle. Now you have to work to get them engaged. Mm -hmm. Get them engaged right away. A question does that. And then I answer it with a story. Ooh. Uh, Another way would be a startling statistic. Something that catches people off guard like, oh my God, I didn't realize that. The funny thing about statistics, though, is what we find as exciting or unbelievable when it comes to a stat, other people aren't so enthralled. (laughs) So you've got to be careful with things like that. But you just want to get their attention. None of this, it's great to be here. I want to thank so-and-so for having me here. That's not a compelling way to start a presentation. That's very interesting because most people do that, I think. Yeah. And, And if you think of other ways of communicating, when we read an article in a magazine, It doesn't say, I'd like to thank the editor for approving my article. I'd like to thank the publisher for keeping this publication around so long. It just starts. Yeah. The way I talk about it with singing sometimes is you get to earn the right to speak. In other words, deliver the message, and then you might earn the right for somebody to want to hear a story about something or for you to tell them where they can find you on Facebook or something. But in the beginning... If you don't start out with a bang, with something that just grabs their attention, it's too easy if you don't grab it right away for you never to be able to quite grab it. When you were saying that, it made me think of Johnny Carson for the people who are old enough to remember him. And they would say that if you went out to sing on his stage or you did a comedy routine on his stage and he called you over to sit on the couch for a few minutes, you knew at that moment. You were an up-and-coming star. You had made it. They earned the right to talk about how they came up with the song or how they got started or 
uh, how long they've been doing comedy. Right. They earned that right. So directly to your point. What is your process, Peter, for rehearsing speeches, especially for people like me who find it hard to memorize? How do you rehearse your speeches? First, I tell my clients, I'll tell anybody who will listen, do not try to memorize. There you go. It's tough. One of the things that happens when your adrenaline flows is your memory recedes. We don't need memory at that moment when adrenaline's flying. Fight or flight, we don't need memory. So we lose it. That's why people say, yeah, I always forget what I'm going to say. And then when I'm done talking, I remember exactly what I wanted to say. That's happening to just about everybody. Mm -hmm. So don't try to memorize. Know what you want to say. Know what that talking point is and it's three sub points. Know what the next talking point is and it's three sub points. So that's to begin with. But the way I suggest people rehearse is to prop up their phone. Best thing ever made for speakers. Prop up your phone, hit record yeah. on the video, and do your presentation. And if it's a long presentation, just a segment of it to begin with. Mm -hmm. Then play it back in three different ways. First of all, play it back audio only. So put it face down so you can't see the video. Uh -huh. And listen to it. Am I speaking too quickly? Am I not pausing? Am I monotone? Am I saying words that, because of a regional accent, up here, we don't pronounce our R's. So am I saying a word without an R that should have an R <laughs> and it's confusing to people? Yeah. And I have to concentrate on that. Yeah. What's going on? You make notes, you address it. Now you play it back video only. So you turn the sound off. What's my body language saying? Wow. Am, do I look confident? Am I smiling? Unless you're not supposed to be smiling if it's something dire. Mm -hmm. But... Do I look like I should for that particular moment on video together the way you yeah. normally would? Okay. There's another thing that you say in the book that I never had thought about. And that is you tell us that stage introductions need to fit the audience you're about to speak to. Can you uh, tell me a little bit more about that? An introduction. Many people think it's a bio. Yeah. Peter's done this and this and this, and isn't he great? And I'm standing backstage thumping my chest and go, I'm awesome. These people should be <laughs> thrilled that I'm here. Yeah. Well, the only person that would have ever impressed is my mother. <laughs> and she died about 14 or 15 years ago. So, yeah, let's say we're at a convention for time management. Gotcha. And I say, let me introduce our next speaker, Susie. Susie, uh, last year climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. That's been on her bucket list. She wrote a best-selling novel. and she takes care of, as a single mom, two energetic teenage daughters. Mm -hmm. Most people are going to say, wow, yep, she's awesome. Good for her. They may also think, and what does that have to do with why we're here? Right. In this particular case, time management. What if that's changed just a little bit to, let me tell you about our next speaker, Susie. Last year, she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, something she's always wanted to do. She's a single mom of two teenage daughters that she trucks around to all their different activities. And she just published a best-selling novel. If there's anybody who has found a way to manage her time, it's Susie. There's no one better today to speak to you about your time management than Susie Smith. Brilliant. Now it shows what she's accomplished, what that means to the audience, as opposed to just, isn't she awesome? 
I am so honored that you asked me to contribute a little bit about vocal health to your book. And as you know, I ask you for permission to quote you for my course, Speaking Voice Technique. And the quote that I ask you for is, the power is in the pauses. Tell us what making people wait for it does for your impact on your listener. What most of us do is we just continue to talk. (laughs) And we're taking it from our perspective. But the thing is, we know what we're going to say. The listener doesn't. And I'll explain it this way, which I wish was original with me, but it's not. Uh, It comes from uh, Joel Schwartzberg and Get the Point. It's the name of his book. And what he explains is, you know, when you go away, Judy, and you come home after about a week or so, and your potted plants, all the soil's hard as a rock because it hasn't been watered. If you take a bottle of water, a watering can, and you just pour water on top of that soil, it just runs off to the sides and doesn't benefit the plant whatsoever. But if you pour a little on, and let it seep in yeah. and pour a little more on and let it seep in. That's a great metaphor for what we have to do. We wow. give some information and we let it seep in, let them digest it, let, let them process it and what it means to them personally. And then you give them more. So many times when they say people speak too quickly, they might speak rapidly But what people are really having trouble with is they're not getting pauses in between. Mm -hmm. They're not getting the time to think about what they're hearing. So that's the power of the pause. Wow. And you people who are interested in speaking and who also sing, it's the same thing with singing. If you sing like it's a run-on sentence rather than ever take a breath, sometimes you need to take a breath even when you don't need to take a breath. Or you need to re-pull, as you know, I talk about pulling, repull a consonant uh, that starts the next phrase so that it's uh, interesting and it feels like conversation rather than a litany of syllables. Think yeah. of a great comedian. A great yeah. comedian knows when to pause and let the, the joke fall on the audience. Yep. And sometimes it takes a second. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> yeah, they know exactly how long. 2.3 seconds. I'm going to pause <laughs> and have a drink of water and let that fall. Yeah. On the audience. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, what final words of wisdom do you have for the aspiring speaker among our listeners and watchers? We spoke about it a little when I said you got to understand it's about what the audience wants, needs to know how it, what you're saying benefits them and the like. But think of it in this term it's not about you, it's always about the audience. And that's a great thing because. It takes the onus off of us. If we Mm -hmm. do our homework and then we apply it and we deliver it well and we rehearse and we actually have fun with it Mm -hmm. and we communicate with that audience, we don't have to worry so much about are we using the exact right word. And really, it's better to use small words, truthfully. But we can concentrate on connecting with that audience, engaging them, serving them and having them take away what they need to take away so they are benefited because that's why they're there. Yeah, They're not there to hear us unless it's mom. (laughs) They're not there to hear us. They're there to take away what they need to take away. Brilliant. Well, guys, if you give or want to give presentations or speeches, there's so much more in this book than we talked about, and we talked about a lot. But I recommend you get it 
And if you really want to go the distance, you can top that off by getting my online speaking voice technique, which is more about the voice itself. But Peter's book is really the best book on public speaking. You can study that book, I think, for years. Just keep going back through it and getting more out of it. So, um, Peter, where can they find it? Nice and easy. Peter George, publicspeaking.com or Amazon. Great. And they can find your services for coaching speakers there too, right? Yes. And booking you for presentations. Great. All right. So one last question, Peter. What is next for Peter George? What's next? I have a few ideas for more books. The next project is my current book, but I'm going to rewrite it so it focuses on students because oh. I believe students can become more confident. Oh, great. Throughout school, sure. which changes their trajectory in their uh, careers if they become better speakers. So yeah. I'm going to write the same book. So the guts will be the same, but the stories and the focus will be for students. I'd like to write a, a book for kids who stutter. And what I'd like to do is interview famous people like James Earl Jones, Tiger Woods, Emily oh. Blunt, these people that they can look at and say, wow, I didn't know this athlete or this actor or singer uh, stuttered. And now I know their story. I might not feel so bad. I was lucky. I wasn't picked on as a kid because I was fairly proficient in sports. So if you stuttered, if any had, had anything going on with you when you were young, but you were good in sports, you didn't get picked on. <laughs> so I was fortunate that way, but a lot of kids aren't. Yeah. So I'd like to write a book to help them. Awesome. And I'm also going to write a book on the fear of public speaking. So I have a lot of writing to do. Well, we'll look for those in the bookstore. I'll let you guys know when those books come out. Peter, thank you so much, my friend, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Remember that even if you're not speaking in front of major crowds, you can still use the tips you learned in this interview for speaking confidently in front of anybody. If you seriously want to raise the level of your speaking skills, look for the links to Peter's book and my video course in the notes. They can be a real game changer for you. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you next time for All Things Vocal, the podcast for voices with messages that, you know, matter. <laughs>